0: Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography
1: and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws with me, Glyn Dewis, and my co-host, buddy, design guru and author... Dave Clayton. Now, Dave isn't actually here for the intro part of this episode, but he is here for the main part because this episode, episode 80, is an interview that Dave did with a guy by the name of Phil Howell from HE Creative. Now, the episode, I believe, would have been recorded, or the interview, rather, would have been recorded maybe a week or so before Dave and me went out to do some teaching in America. And when it came to do the editing of this episode, and that's generally the way that we work this, Dave does all the graphics and all the social media stuff for the, for the actual podcast, I'll edit the episodes. When Dave told me about this one, he said it is about an hour and 29 minutes long. And ordinarily, you'd be thinking... Oh, blimey, that's going to take quite some editing because obviously what I'll have to do to make it sound as good as it possibly can, I'll listen to it all the way through making the sound good, taking out any noises that shouldn't be there and so on and so forth. But when I heard it was an hour and 29 minutes initially, I must admit between you and me, my thoughts were that's quite a long one. But, and I absolutely truly mean this, an hour and 29 minutes was not long enough for this episode. It is an absolute blinder phil howell is just a legend i've never met him i don't think dave's actually ever met him i think he actually met him through instagram but my god do i want to meet him after this episode i actually think this is the best episode of he shoots he draws that's my own opinion and i don't i don't say that in any kind of disrespect to any former guests that we've had on here but the reason i say it is that phil covers everything Absolutely. He covers so much stuff, But and this is actually the first time whenever I've edited an episode, I actually made notes. That's how good this is. He covers all sorts, but this is going to be so relevant for you, regardless of whether you're a designer, a photographer, actually whatever you do in your life. If you use the internet... You are going to absolutely love this episode because one of the words I wrote down at the top of my piece of paper as I was making notes whilst I edited it was the word real. How some people, and when I say some people, I mean Phil, are able to step out of themselves and kind of like look down on life and look at the world and what's going on around it and to be able to be so articulate in their observations and... Is just phenomenal. And I really did find myself, as I was editing this episode, almost kind of leaning back in my chair going, yeah. And I'm not a religious person, but I found myself going, hallelujah. Oh, mentor that. It was absolutely brilliant. And I know this is an episode that I'm going to want to listen to again and again and again. And please believe me, this is not hype to get you to listen to it. This I really do believe you'll get a lot out of this. So uh, hats off to Phil, hats off to Dave for an absolutely superb job. So I'm not going to kind of let this intro go on any longer, other than to say, if you like this episode, and I pretty much guarantee you will, uh, make sure as well you check out a podcast called Creative Waffle. Because I know that uh, around about the time that Dave did this interview, he was Phil was also on the uh, podcast called Creative Waffle, which was an actually a longer episode, I believe. It's probably two, two and a half hours, something like that but it does cover completely different topics to what we talk about in this. So if you really like what you hear from Phil, I would highly suggest that you kind of have a listen to uh, Creative Waffle as well. But listen, that's me. That's enough from me. I'm going to dive out of this one now. I'll probably catch up with you next week, but I'm going to hand over to Dave and Phil, and I'll start it off in the usual way of Phil. Who are you? I'm Phil Howell. I'm from HE Creative, and I'm a punk rock
2: illustrator fueled by nostalgia, Diet Dr. Pepper, Americana. And I create illustrations for some of the biggest brands and best bands in the world and just
0: try to spark joy and positivity in the world. That's a great intro, mate. And it's so for anyone listening today, and I hope you are, this is one of those interviews where Phil and I have never spoken before. This is the first time we are actually talking. Um, and we first kind of started chatting on Instagram and i was trying to even think who followed who first because i all i remember about HE creative was you'd post a book like every other day or something and and i'd be scrolling through and i like i say i was following you so i don't quite know how how it happened but we were somehow through some mutual friend or something and you had this book and most people who know who listen to the podcast know i'm a bit of a book freak And I'm like, I haven't got that book. So I went and found it and bought it. And then like a couple of days later, another book appears. I haven't got that one. And then all of a sudden, these really cool books are appearing. And then I'm starting to take screenshots of your studio when your bookshelf was in it. And it's just because then it became a thing like I did with Aaron Draplin is right. I'm going to see what books they've got. And I probably ended up buying maybe 10 books because of you because you introduced me to them like the Disney I think the Disney at War one I've got there's been a couple where it's just been wow that I need that I need that so we'll start with that um that we met on Instagram and it was books that brought us together so why were you doing that on Instagram for a start what was that what was the reason for posting that you're a creative business but you were posting books so what what started that off
2: um yeah, I think it was trying to find some kind of consistency on stuff to post. So it was every Wednesday, I think, we were posting um, bookshelf stuff, or it might have been every Monday. And we, at the time, a lot of our work was under NDA. So we couldn't show anything that we were doing. And our work as well was very vector-based then. it was This was before the iPad Pro came and changed everything. So... It was very, like, the content we had was very dry. And it was, wasn't was anything that we thought anyone wanted to see. Um, right. You know, close-ups of logos and things. It wasn't anything that interested us to see. So we were like, well, what's interesting in the studio? So we were like, well, at the time, we worked on a farm. And we had a little design studio out on a farm. So it was nice looking outside. We had loads of old books that we were carting around from flat to studio to house. And we thought, well, we can post. That's a post a week. We started posting about design history. And we started posting pictures of the animals on the farm. Um, And that was just trying to inject kind of an idea that we kind of knew what we were talking about. And we might be interesting people as opposed to, Oh, look at the kerning on this. How lovely.
0: <laughs> well, it worked Cause I didn't say, I didn't know you. I didn't know who you were. I just found it interesting. I was like going out my way to follow what you were posting. And you're right. There was some design history. There was just little nuggets of design that you were posting on there, which is what I love about Instagram. Like, you know, there's enough people who have to like Instagram live every other five minutes or have to post their food or they've been to the gym. Um, But you say we, so who are we?
2: So Howard
0: Edwards Creative or
2: HE Creative, depending on how long you want the URL to be, uh, because it's the longest name in the world, (laughs) is um, myself and my wife Charlotte um, are the founders of the company. But before we move on, I have to say, you gave me my greatest ever sitcom moment, um, and it was great. And I'm sure I've told you this, is when we were posting the books on Instagram, where you used to get the first notification would be a like from Dave Clayton. Right. And I would turn to Charlotte and be like, who is Dave Clayton? Why does he keep liking every book I post? And I'd be going through and then it would be next Wednesday and I'd post a book and be like, no one likes this. Not even Dave Clayton's like this book yet. (laughs) Like, what's going on here? And then it was the end of this uh, last year, I was in the bath listening to the Honest Designers uh, podcast, because I like to listen to podcasts in the bath. (laughs) And um, you kind of mentioned us but not by name but said oh there's this design studio and i jumped out the bath and grabbed my phone i was like charlotte this dave clayton geezer that keeps liking all these book posts is on a podcast and he's talking about us like (laughs) what on earth is happening here because at the time we had separated ourselves we weren't listening to design podcasts or anything for a long time yeah we used to listen to entertainment stuff and we weren't really in the design world we weren't bothering to network or anything we were very business to client yeah. focused yeah. and i kind of had a change of heart in the summer last year and was like no we should really start getting back in to what's going on and and touch base so that's when we started listening to the honest designers and he shoots he draws and i didn't i couldn't even put together that dave clayton he shoots he draws was the same dave clayton that was following us was the same dave clayton on the honest. i just thought it was a oh, common wow. name and
0: right yeah i hadn't yeah put anything we mark so dave clayton's yeah <laughs> so weird and i've told things i've told that story about uh, your books uh, on a couple of podcasts and and i speak quite frequently when i talk to people about um like networking and design and books and i always mention the fact that just from a post just from a book i've ended up having a friendship with someone that all right i've yet to meet but somebody who i can have a conversation. you know we can have a conversation on instagram about design uh, back and forth through messaging but you know, I'm, I'm just one of those people that I think it doesn't matter who you are what you do if you're interesting then there's probably something behind that it's not a fluke it's not a fluke that you're interested in it's so I started to look at your company and what you did and and at first I couldn't really identify it, it your your posts didn't match the brand that I was seeing so at first I couldn't quite work out who you actually were Um, I knew you were a design company I knew you were pretty good because there was some good work you were talking about clients but I even like up until very recently I really only knew you were a husband and wife team I didn't know how old you were so that interact that just that little interaction is what I encourage people is is use it as a starting point to learn something about someone because you know now I wanted you on the podcast because a you've got a great story and i want to talk about how you did a pivot on your business and the stuff you've been doing lately but just that little beginning there that's that's the thing that sparked my interest and now I'm like watching what you do and yeah I'm not I'm not I'm never ashamed to like people's stuff although I do find I don't know about you if you find you open up Facebook and you see you've got 16 notifications and it's someone's liked 15 photographs you post every single one of them (laughs) it's like so-and-so like so-and-so like so-and-so like it's oh I thought I'd 16 people like wanted to different people looked at my stuff but that's what I love about Instagram um, for, for a designer, um, we will come on to this because I know it's been really powerful for you. S- from a social media point, what I love about you as a company is this is something we've spoken about off air is I didn't know what you look like.
2: Yeah, that's something we're very passionate about. We're quite averse to putting ourselves out there. Yeah. Um, just because um, it's something I'm very strongly believe in is I am scared of celebrity. I don't, I, I think Ricky Gervais summed it up. I think it was the quote, like, celebrity is the perfume of the philistine. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's something to be, like, I think when Andy Warhol said everyone would be famous for 15 minutes was saying that in a negative way. Yeah. Um, and why does anyone want to look at my mug? I just think it's it's not very uh, interesting to anyone, but I think it's fascinating that if I look at my, apart from um, Nevermind the Bollocks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jamie Reid, I can't tell you the name of anyone that designed my favourite album covers. And I can't tell you what they look like. So who took the photo, you know, of the Ramones on that album cover? Yeah. Who knows? Who cares? Like, And I think it's very interesting when we talk about graphic design and fame, famous, in air quotes, graphic designers, people say like, oh, I want to be like a, a Carson or a Neville Brodie. Yeah, yeah. But if... If Neville Brody phones up my local Chinese and says, can I design your menu? And they say, who are you? And he says, Neville Brody. They're going to say, yeah, who are you? I don't know who you are. Exactly. These aren't household names. Then n- there's no such thing as a famous graphic designer. The same as there's no such thing as a famous plumber. I've, so I don't th- th- so that's see the, the point. Vo-
0: That's the famous Von Glitchka quote that I always say to people. Being a famous graphic designer is like being a famous plumber. You're only, yeah. you're only well known to other plumbers you you're only you're only well known in your own circle if i go to my mum and say mum i'm going to portland next week i'm only staying at aaron draplin's house and she'll look at me and go is that your disney friend i go no no it's a different guy oh who's that it's a guy who's a graphic designer and she's like oh that's nice um now my mum's Um, not going to know designers of the world but yeah you're right it's some are well known, some are renowned, some come from a long time ago. But you're absolutely right. I, I know a lot of the books I've got, but I couldn't tell you what the authors look like or their names. Yeah, I
2: think I think that's like it's very important to me, and it's and this is no good for anyone outside of England or anyone under the age of thirty. Yeah. But I always remember when Blur were at their height, and they were because I'm from where Blur are from, so I was very excited, and I remember seeing Dennis Pennis, Interview, and (laughs) it was a big press junket, and they'd just won like twelve Brit Awards, and everyone was like, "Oh, any questions?" And he stood up and he said, "Yeah, question for the drummer. What's your name, fella?" And (laughs) to me, that's always been a great thing because I can't name half the drummers or bass players in bands that I like, and that joke has always been because at the same time, I don't care. Like, I don't ever, I don't listen to music and think, "Oh, I wonder what they look like," or "I wonder." Who they are, like past the past the music. So for us as a company, it felt very weird to be like, "Look at our little faces,
0: (laughs) please hire us." (laughs) That's so refreshing, though. So it's so like the opposite of everybody. I I'm the same with radio. I don't like it when Radio One all of a sudden now I can go online and watch them in the studio. I grew up as a kid. I used to lie in my bedroom. I used to listen to LBC. And like London radio, Tommy Boyd, I'd lie in my bed when I was probably 14, 15. And I, I didn't know what Tommy Boyd looked like. I just loved that his radio show. I, even even when I first started listening to Chris Evans, when Chris Evans won, was on LBC, I had no idea what he looked like. Um, mm. It wasn't until he was on TV. But I used to love that, that the mystery of not knowing who the people are. I know their voice or I know their name. I know the thing they're good at. Their work speaks for them. That's the thing they become. Now it's just weird that everyone, like in the, I, the, the whole Instagram live thing, people just constantly posting their every movement to the point I'm sure someone eventually is going to go, I'm just going for a poo. Um, I'll be back. In and then the next one is them on the <coughs> toilet. I'm just having a poo and I'm just thinking about this. It's, you don't need to broadcast your life and just share everything because then when you share everything, you've got nothing interesting because there's
2: there's a a a number of american listeners now that are just listen to that and thinking when did captain america have a radio show in london
0: (laughs) because chris evans Oh, of course yeah so yeah ginger chris evans the radio dj is on virgin now but yeah it it's that thing it's so rare and so refreshing to actually find someone who doesn't want to have their face plastered over everything and and i think it works for you definitely works for you because i i focus on your work i'm focusing on you know for those um so we will cover this at the end but just at the moment your instagram page i think is your your like powerhouse at the moment or your instagram account and you post the way you post your work and even the way you use instagram live it's always about the business, it's always about the work that you're doing. It's really interactive. So tell me a little bit about what I'd call like the pivot moment for you where where you decided that the like you've got the Riverdale series, you can talk about all of those things that you do. What was your pivot point do you think where you kind of pushed that social marketing forward what what was the the point of going? Uh, not as in what's the point I mean what was the pivot point from <laughs> yeah. yeah what's the point in this uh, where I went from seeing books posted every Wednesday to suddenly seeing this really cool illustration and this project coming together
2: yeah thank you I I think it came from we had amassed a number of clients that we didn't like we didn't like them as people yeah and we didn't like the work and we were looking at the work we were producing and it was soulless and we were being treated terribly by these people. We worked for some people who were famous um, and they were like famous podcasters and they had made a joke about the Manchester bombing. And they said that the fa- the fans deserved it because they were fans of Ariana Grande Ooh. and that they were gay and they deserved it. So we fired them as a client. Um, And cut ties with working with them. We actually gave them their money back. Wow. We had some people that didn't know what they were talking about. Tell us our work was bad. And that we weren't good at what we do. And we went away on holiday. Um, It was our first holiday in about two years. We decided to treat ourselves to two weeks in Florida. And when we got off the plane, we had a voicemail from an idiot screaming at us. Mm. Because... He wanted his logo to be black on a back on a black background on his website, <laughs> and couldn't understand why we weren't doing that. That's not even exaggeration. So we had got to this point where we just we weren't putting out what we wanted to get. Yeah, and it was a hodgepodge. Um, so if I you look back through our Instagram, um, which is at he creative you you can see that everything from the la since before January this year it was very mixed and um it had lost its way i'd done october and done this kind of tattoo stuff and i wasn't really happy with it and but then also we were doing like this twee illustration and nothing really was what we wanted and we kind of came out as what, who we are we're two you know we're in our 30s we're both drenched in tattoos we have hugely strong ethical beliefs yeah and we are a you know um anti racist anti sexist anti homophobic company and we don't want to work for anyone that has views like that um we don't believe we don't want to work with huge corporate companies we've got very strong feelings about how people sell their themselves and how their company and how they sell and exploit people, and we have a huge love and passion for punk, um, and especially punk rock of the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s and kind of where we grew up. And I was I remember it super vividly because it was only January, um, <laughs> and I'm not that old. Um, so I I was sitting there at the start of January. And I said to Charlotte, "You know what really like." What happened was, is I saw a post on Twitter and a designer I look up to had said something like, I wish, all I want is to get a children's book and a record cover and work for a coffee company. And he has like, he had like 10,000 followers. Yeah. And I thought, I've just signed a two book deal with Macmillan. I've just finished doing a record cover for um, a jazz pianist's record. Yeah. And I just also had finished working for a coffee company. And we had 400 followers on Instagram. And I thought to myself, like, these people I look up to want to be where we are. But we're not putting out what we do. So we were watching Riverdale on um, Netflix, which, you know, is terribly brilliant as a TV show. I've not seen and it, I will admit. It's, it's, it's awful, but it's also brilliant. And I'm a huge fan of Everything Americana, and I was drawing Betty. Like and like, just Betty from Bet, but like from Archie, like the old sixties Betty. Yeah, I know. Mean. And as a joke, I put another layer over the top and drew the Misfits uh, logo, the skull logo, over her face, and then made a GIF of it. So right. it's super fast. Did it, and I posted it on Instagram, and it just went. For us, it went bananas. It had like four hundred likes or something on it. Yeah, which we'd never seen that at all. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I was like, oh, what else could I do here? So I drew Betty and Veronica. I found an old picture of them listening to a record. And it was like the dad was in the armchair and he's saying like, they're saying like they're listening to the Beatles and in their head is like the Beatles, the band. And in yeah, yeah. his head, he's got like some bugs. Right. And I took like that image, edited it, took the dad out. And I put Henry Rollins from Black Flag in there and I, that, I think, was our first over 1,000 likes. Wow. And we gained, I think, 1,000 followers overnight. Um, and then I just kept putting that stuff out and then saying, like, well, you know what I really like? I really like paper dolls. And I really like punk women. So I'm going to draw Courtney Love as a paper doll. And it got, like, 4,000 likes. And then by the end of the month, I think we'd got 5,000 followers. And now today we're at 22-ish. That's great. 1,000. Um, and it's just we're just putting out and I know you and Glynn don't like this word but our authentic selves we're just saying like you know what we like this this is what we like to do but that's real and... that's
0: real authenticity that's that's the thing we were trying to say is the you say that is there are to, to us there are two kinds of authenticity there's genuinely authentic hard-working Uh, You know, it comes, it's for me to decide you're authentic, not for you. Some people who want to keep using I'm authentic, I'm authentic tend to back it up with bad language or aggression or, you know, it comes across quite negative. I think it's like we said with the other words is, yes, you are authentic. You are authentic. Your authenticity is coming out. And that's a really good thing because it's coming from a good place. And it's how I feel about you not how you're telling me to feel about you.
2: Yeah. And to go on that note, then it started to resonate with people outside of fans. So when I did, I did a paper doll of my favorite band of all time, a band called the distillers and their lead singer is the most other than my wife, the most beautiful creature I've ever seen on this planet. (laughs) She is stunningly beautiful. Uh, She gave me my awakening at 15 years old when I first saw her. And I was like, that is what a woman looks like. Um, and I just have been obsessed with her and her music forever. Um, and I, she reposted the piece I did. Wow. Which I think she got 22,000 likes on it or something ridiculous. And I think we, might, I think we gained 5,000 followers in an hour after she posted it. And she reached out to us and said, your work's awesome if you ever, you know, we want to work with you. And that was, you know, we were like, oh my God, this is our hero. And then a few days later we got an email from a lady called Jennifer Finch, who is the bass player from the legendary Riot girl band, L7. You know, um, she famously dated Dave Grohl and friends with Kurt Cobain. Like, Jen Finch has invented a genre of music. And she said, do you want to have a Skype call? Wow. And we're having a Skype call. And Jen Finch, who I... When I was young, the first song I ever learned to play on guitar was Pretend That We're Dead by L7. And she sat there in front of us, telling us how much she loves our work. And it was after the phone call, I I cried because it was the validation from these people. And then Jessica Adams of Jack Off Jewel has been a huge fan of ours and stuff. Uh, reposted our stuff, been a huge support, putting us in contact with people. And the other huge, biggest support has been Toby Morris of um, H2O, who are a New York hardcore band that probably you know none of your listeners would care about but toby started reposting our stuff just because i was including h2o's t-shirts right. on the characters in riverdale hardcore and then we were getting email like we'd get we, we then started selling some of this stuff and we'd get emails and i'd be like charlotte we've just the guitarist from sick of it all has just brought our stuff like <laughs> i'd send it to him he doesn't have to pay for this. And like, <laughs> we'd be like, uh, like you know, the bass player, for uh, the guitarist or bass players from H2O and like um, BJ Pappas, who's like a legendary photographer, they're like buying our stuff. And we're reaching out to these people and saying like, you don't need to buy it. And they're like, no, 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 we're supporting what you do because you're taking something that we considered forgotten. Yes. We thought everyone had forgotten that this was cool. And you're reminding people of us. And now we can look and it's that like,
0: you know, the scene is responding to what you're doing. And it's become your brand. It's become something that your, I so. your people are looking at you. I mean, I don't know a lot of those bands. And, you know, even though I, I grew up through that punk age, I kind of dabbled with it through my older brother. But I'm learning more about it now as I go on, purely because I'm finding so many designers are ex-punk rock musicians or skateboarders, which is always weird. Mm. weird. The amount... But that's, I mean, that, that's really good because now when I look at your stuff, I'm looking to see what else you're going to create. And just to clear something up, because we haven't touched on this, when you say, I sat and drew this woman or I sat and drew this character, you are a damn good illustrator. So just ju- just tell us why, <laughs> because you have got a background, you have got... Um, you have got something behind you for your you know for your 33 years of age that the the years you've been in industry just explain where that illustration comes from because if when people look at your work and they see what you've been creating you know there's a difference between just drawing something and then being able to illustrate so what's your background for, where does that illustration background come from
2: um so the story i remember my nan telling me was that when i was two years or 80 months old, two years old, The in England, you get like the social worker come and check to make sure that everything's going okay. And my brother before me um, had sadly passed away as a cot deaf. So I was being monitored like extra special. Yeah. And I refused. One of the tasks I had to do was draw a face. And the lady that came drew a circle and asked me to draw a face and I wouldn't do it. And my nan said to the social worker, give him the piece of paper and let him do it. And I drew an oval. Right. Because that's what a face looks like, and that was my, f- the first story I have, of being an illustrator. Um, but I remember my earliest memory, is being about four or five years old, and my uh, mum and my nan would watch a lot of Marilyn Monroe and Doris Day, and Mae West, mm. and I would I had a sketchbook, and it looked like the it now looking back it's like, the notebook of a serial killer. <laughs> I would draw a pink face, blonde hair, red lips. <laughs> And a splot for Marilyn's beauty, Mark, which yep. is strangely the same makeup of Charlotte's face. And then the next page, pink face, blue eyes, red lipstick, the splot. And I would just sit and draw Marilyn Monroe all day, every day um, in this fascination that led to at eight years old going to Universal Studios. And they used to have the movie stars out. And I at eight years old, my parents said, oh, look, it's Marilyn. And I said, that's not Marilyn Monroe. That's Mae West um which is a strange thing for an 8 year old to be to be saying. So and then I got from that trip at um eight, I went Disney still had a studio in Orlando at the MGM Studios. Yeah. And you could tour it and I saw the desks with all the toys and everything and that's I just wanted that and I then I'd buy these Disney how to draw books. And sit and dro- every film release, I'd get these and sit and try and draw and learn, like with the lines and the crosses on the faces. And I I drew and drew and drew, and then I was always that kid that was the best in art, and that was pretty much my life until sixteen. And I got into sixth form, and I failed graphic design at GCSE, um, and I got told I couldn't do it at A level. So that I did fine art, art history, photography and film studies. And on the first day of art, I sat down and we had to do a still life. And my art teacher had said to me, your drawings are too graphic. They're not art. And that was the first time anyone had challenged what I was doing. Right. And I hated it. So I just rebelled against art, full stop. I did my two years. I got the bare minimum passing grades, packed all my art stuff into a box and went and worked at a little chef, which is, um, to anyone outside of England, like a Denny's or yeah. like a roadside diner. Also known as
0: soul-destroying. Wor- soul-destroying, yeah.
2: yeah. And I worked at that little chef for a year and a half. Um, and I wasn't going to go to uni. I had no interest. And s- where I was a like, waiter and chef in, you'd have like a pad and I would draw doodles of the people that worked there and the yeah. customers and like little cartoons, really outrageous. Like I was really into like crumb and all that kind of stuff at the time. So these like big eyes and exploding heads and <laughs> things. And um, I was drawing away and the, like my manager told me I was wasting my time. And if I didn't go and do a foundation course in art, she'd fire me. So she said, either way, you're leaving here. So I went back. Um, I did a foundation degree and I was still phoning it in at that point. I just couldn't be bothered. I was trying to learn like the Adobe suite and stuff and I just had no real interest um, in it. I took graphics um, at the end of that like initial period. You have to choose from like fine art, fashion, photography, graphics. So I went into the graphics route and up until... I then stayed on at that uni to do graphics as a degree, and I didn't know what graphic design was. I had no real understanding of really what I was doing, um, and I didn't enjoy it. And then, to not be too bleak, I died. I literally died. I suffer from a kidney um, illness, and I went on a holiday with my parents. I'd had a bodged operation, and I collapsed on a plane, and I died for 2.5 seconds. And it was in that that I was forced to take six months off from uni and join back the year below me. And in that six months, I started to take life seriously. So I started researching graphics, learning about it, finding out what it was. I would be up until two in the morning on Photoshop and learning stuff and really applying what is graphic design. And I went back the best graphic design student in the world. I was like class head like oh it was so embarrassing to think back really cringy but i would be if there was a printmaking workshop i was there if there was a bookmaking workshop there was there i learned letterpress i went to fashion to learn about textiles if anything every lecture if there was a trip somewhere i'd be on it and i immersed myself in graphics um and so i'd got kind of in that and then i decided i was going to leave uni Obviously, I mean, I didn't decide. I got told at three years you can't stay here anymore. Um, Go home. Yeah, you got to leave. And I was almost kicking and screaming. And it was my end of year show, and I was uh, I was voted Student of the Year, Um, (laughs) and I graduated, and um, I got offered three jobs on the day I graduated: two in London and one in my local town. um, Design jobs, and I didn't want to do them. I couldn't face it, I didn't want to do it. So I started up with my best friend from uni, um, me and her started a company called the Hidden Dingbat Collective, which is so embarrassing. And we did work. And I soon, I quickly found out you were just working, doing work you don't want to do. Mm. Um, So it's no different to what the job would have been. So we couldn't keep it going. It, we hired a studio space and a shared space. It was too expensive. There's too much overheads. Um, and so that ended and I took a job in a printing company and then <laughs> I did that for a little while and hated every minute of it. And one day Charlotte said to me, there's this blog called Kanye Wez, and this geezer gets um, Kanye, gets Wes Anderson film stills and puts Kanye lyrics over the top. Right. And he wants someone to do this illustration of Kanye as the boy scout from Moonrise Kingdom. And I said, oh, I'll do that. Like, begrudgingly. So I did it, and it, the piece went viral. And it was the first kind of, like, validation again. Yeah. People like what I'm putting out. People can see because no one sees what you do at uni. And this was on Tumblr. So this was before Instagram, like, super dinosaur. Good so that old happened. Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, good old Tumblr. And a month <laughs> later, I, um, I got an email from a guy, and he was saying he was the head of marketing at Columbia Records, and do I want to work for Pharrell Williams? And I said, look at this stupid message I've got from someone. Who do they think I am? <laughs> I, You know, you have to get up early to catch me out and deleted it. Oh, no. And then a, w- a week later, I got an email saying, hi, I don't know if I've got the right email address, but this is, uh, you know, I'm. would you like to work for Pharrell? Would you want to have a Skype with me? So I said to Charlotte, I'm going to call their bluff and say, yeah, I'll Skype them. And this guy answered the Skype and he was who he said he was. And he was telling me that they had found someone else like who, to try and like the style I was working in, but it mm. hadn't worked out. And um, people were really angry. And like um, Russell Simmons had said that he like loved my work and like I had to do this stuff for Pharrell. For and it was all very bizarre. So I, I did that. And I was like, this is insane. And then I got, to make myself sound even older, I got a message a week later from a lady at Myspace to say, would you like to do a project with Kanye West? And I was I was like, okay, this is bizarre. And she said, yeah, uh, he's released an album about a cover. So we want six renowned artists to illustrate covers for him. And it was the guy that had just done Jay-Z's album cover, Yeah, the creator of Adventure Time.
1: Right, Network, yeah
2: three other, some other people and me. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm like nobody. Like at the time I lived in a flat behind an Iceland's and I was like, this is just terrifying. And so I did that and she said, and I n- never spoke to about money with these people. And then two checks arrived in the post and it was so much money. I had to quit my job at the printing company or the tax... I would have to pay on the two wages. I wouldn't be able to afford to pay it. <laughs> so I went in that day and said, I need to leave working here to much laughter in the studio. Like, who do you think you are going to go and work for, you know, little Wayne yeah. or you know, that kind of attitude. And um, I left there and then, yeah, the rest is history. I started running the business um Charlotte came on 6 months later uh, to do website design and we just carried on
0: like from there. And Charlotte were so Charlotte's background is web, isn't it? So she's more Charlotte's than... background is photography. Okay. Um yeah,
2: she's got a degree in photography and she's an incredible photographer, but she does um f- large format fi- like film photos which I guess it, like her is more art right than okay. commercial. So the money side of things wouldn't necessarily work um, quickly, but she could design. She's a bit like my Sheldon. Okay. She sees the matrix. <laughs> so like her design, her technical ability is so far beyond mine. Right. That it's this brilliant matching because, and have that both in the house. So I can say, this is what I want to do. And she'll go, well, you can't do that because that's not a thing. Yeah. It's not normal, so and then sometimes you know we push and pull each other, in the technical and the creative. And as the years have gone on, she's now a better designer than I am.
0: Oh, cool. So, so as HG Creative, then so that's your background, and you've you're with Charlotte, and you've got HG Creative. We go back to that pivot point where you were saying this Instagram thing had started to build. One of the big things I noticed that, and and the reason why I'm pointing this out, and the reason why we're talking to you, is because. I want to get the point across that there are so many designers out there who start up, expect instant success, think that you know if they read a book that says this thing worked, then it's instantly going to work for you. This podcast episode is actually prove that you have to put in a lot of hard work and have a lot of ups and downs to find who you are. And Glynn talks about in photography, you you copy and you. Uh, mimic and you try different things until you find your style and I think what you've just said there is as you were leading up to that point where the Instagram was taking off you completely rebranded um, what I can what I would consider from the outside to be a complete rebrand in your identity or as part of your identity which is based on the back of the Riverdale stuff the paper dolls you did uh, a lot of the tattoo work that you posted so going from like January this year, which is obviously where you did it, what have you become over the last five months? What have you learned from the, from that change? Because we're going to talk about your books um, as part of your illustration, but in that f- kind of first quarter of the year, how have you found that shift in that whole rebrand of who you are now?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a re- very interesting thing because we've almost lost more clients than we've gained. But what we're gaining is a quality over a quantity so we're now getting to work with the people people that we love and admire and people that love and admire us and there's this mutual benefit to what we're doing so what we're being and it's the authentic thing and the honest the honesty is that we fully believe in everything that we put out so we're working some of the things we worked on recently we've just done like a big campaign for pride in san francisco with a company that are like white hat hat, white hat hackers right (laughs) uh, which is easy for me to say um but the when working with some of the bands we're working with and we've just done the opening credits for a film about trans people and it's like a film with fully trans cast um and it's things that we really really believe in and we want to be part of and that yeah is the biggest change i think so we're happier in what we're doing And we're honest in what we're doing and we're enjoying um, what we do more every day. Um, Whereas before we didn't have that. Like, it sounds silly to say because you're drawing pictures, but we would come to work like dreading doing the work and now we're excited to do
0: the work. And And it shows, I think the quality of work definitely shows in the regularity of it and If you do go and look you know, go and look at H E Creative on Instagram and look at the website because I you know, I've been looking through it and it was a great redesign and some of this stuff we've never talked about because there's so much in design that everyone's always we we spoke about this off air, about everyone wants to be well known or famous. That actually, you know, the quality of your work speaks volumes and I love watching the little journey you're going on and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, I've I've got a great, great love of music from but my older brother's 11 years older than me. He started a, a rock band back in the, well, I'd say seventy nine eighty. 80. Um, and I remember most of my teenage years was hanging around with my brother while he was doing gigs. And I'm meeting, you know, Brian James from The Damned and Toya Wilcox. And, uh, you know, as, uh, as he started to bring people, the guitarist in his band was from The Ruts. So that kind of late 70s era of music, I grew up around actual musicians, so yeah, hanging around music and being part of that. I love that you've got this punk aesthetic that even though like you're thirty three you've still got a punk background that you've that that's part of your personality that's come into your work, and that comes yeah. through and now you describe yourself as as like a, a, a punk aesthetic design company for for your new brand for part of the brand that you've got up uh, on site now, yeah,
2: yeah. Punk is, uh, runs, like, through my veins. I'm, like, it's the first time... My uncle was a punk. Um, and I remember sitting at my nan's house and him coming round to make anti-Thatcher protest signs and with his friends with mohawks. Yeah. And thinking, that's what I want to be. Like, look at them. Like, they're the coolest. And then, like, I would... I always liked guitar music and i liked blur and nirvana and these things and then one day i turned on mtv and rancid were on television Mm. and i saw rancid and i thought this is that's me i am and i'm gonna buy a biker jacket and i'm putting studs on it and i'm gonna shave the sides of my head and i'm painting things on everything and i it was there's something in that movement and i remember going to I'd go to any music with my friends at that time and my taste was quite eclectic. And I remember going to see, going to a festival and seeing my friends all wanted to see Metallica and their lighting rig was being set up and it took about an hour to get the lighting rig set up. And I remember seeing them on stage with their like, you know, thousand pound guitars and all their effects pedals and we are Metallica and this bravado. And they were so high on the stage and the barrier was so far from the crowd. And I just thought, this isn't what the albums sound like. They're not... What is this? This is four rich guys on stage um, playing Metallica songs. And a week later, I went to the Underworld in Candom, yeah. which is a tiny little venue, or it could have been the Mean Fiddler. And I saw H2O play. And H2O plug their guitars directly into the amp. They walked out on stage and they played their song called five year plan is their opener. And there's no music. It's just chanting. And the whole crowd sang along. I went by myself and the opening lyrics are my, my friends look out for me like family. And I instantly was home and I didn't have a good relationship with my parents or my older brother. And I was bullied at school. And all of a sudden there was a crowd of people that I belonged to. And Toby, the singer of H2O, put his microphone into the crowd and people can grab it and sing along. And I put my fist up and Toby grabbed hold of my fist. And what H2O and these bands tell you is you are the same as us. And that's evident in now, the way they treat us. We talked to Lou from Sick of It All and Pete from Sick of It All, who invented New York hardcore, as far as I'm concerned, in the 80s. And they talked to us like human beings, but they never said they wouldn't. Whereas Metallica wouldn't give us the time of day. No, and and that's the kind of the um, the rubbish that we sift through in life is that people put these idols on a pedestal. But like I listened to bands like Comeback Kid and they had a record called False Idols Fall, and I none of all none of it meant anything to me. So like the the punk um, scene. Sp- spoke to me they are my family like I look look at these people like I see Jen Finch like a fairy godmother like and she talks to me like that I see Jessica Adams like a big sister and you know I've got these like uncles yeah that I can reach out to and and talk to and that's not there's no, I don't think there's a genre like that I, I think people say that that's what they want to be but that's not true and we it's the same as what we try and do as a company we'll talk to anyone and we'll help anyone, and we want to build this. Com- and you hear a lot about people building communities, and then they give their community a name, like Justin Bieber and his Believers. Yeah. <laughs> like you're instantly saying, "I am the leader. You are the followers," and that's not it. Like with Punk, we were never fans; we were family. Like I remember speaking one time. I, I had the, you know, I say the pleasure of meeting Rancid. Mm. And they were talking to me and I had an operation the next day and I was telling them that's why I was in the disabled section. And their lead singer, Tim, said to me, what song do you want us to play? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, do you have a set list? He's like, yeah, we'll play anything. What do you want us to play? He's like, give me three songs, I'll play them. And then on stage, they're like, this this song's going out to fill up in the disabled section.
1: <laughs> and it's
2: crazy. Like, But, uh, you
0: know, again, like I don't know Metallica, but,
2: I can't imagine that a band like Metallica would be talking to their fans before the show.
0: Yeah, I like I, that. And and there are people in in the industry. So is that where the is that where the book came from? Is you wanted to get those people, your favourite bands, into that book? Because you, you did like the alphabet of the punk bands, and I think you said to me when we were chatting once that you actually kind of crowdsourced it a little bit as well you were putting out the next letter of the alphabet and it was funny because the bands that i was automatically thinking of weren't in the book but what was good was there are bands i never heard of that i would then go and look see who they are so the book kind of from your love of punk then what what started from a couple of sketches to this could be a book and how did you go about getting that book published? Because that's obviously another part of this design world. Now, you used to need a publishing deal. Now you can uh, now you can get a book out. So what was the genesis of that punk book?
2: Yeah, so, like, the whole thing kind of comes back to punk roots, so DIY, just doing it ourselves. Um, so I, years ago, had drawn, like, Emmys for the Misfits um, because the Misfits were, like, one of my favourite bands. And I posted it up, and it got a good response I've got a two-year-old little niece. Um, I play her punk music all the time, and she dances along and thinks it's funny. Like, nothing too hardcore, but, like, a lot of ska music and stuff. And she sings along, uh, which is funny. She was singing Firestarter by The Prodigy the other day, which is (laughs) adorable. And, And there's other punk ABC books, and no disrespect to any of the bands in them. But when I think of punk, I don't think of the Sex Pistols. And I know that that's what everyone does. But to me, um, S is for Sick of It All and T is for Tiger Army. And there are these bands that are like, you know, important bands. And the reason there's no text in that book other than the band's name is I want people, not to say you're a normie, but people like a Dave Clayton to pick up that book and say, A is for Against Me, Who Are Against Me? Exactly. And then look look them up and go, um, like... Against me, leasing singer Laura Jane Grace is an openly trans woman in a punk band that make acoustic uh, anarchist punk. And the stuff that they're saying is so poignant and important. But if it was A is for the addicts, yeah. People know who they are. Like but B like people know who Black Flag are in the book, the Clash are in the book, um, but then D's for the Distillers, not the damned. Yeah, yeah. Um and we crowdsourced it to a point of it's even like funny because E in the book is for the exploited and I can't stand the exploited. <laughs> or, and I think that they're like, you know, they're almost pseudo racist uh, to a point. Like they're quite a strange band. They have very strange political opinions. And I wouldn't have put them in that book in a million years. But we crowdsourced it and we wanted to say s- strong to that. Yeah, yeah, We're happy for the fa- people buying it. To decide who's going to be in there, um, that led to interest in it becoming a a book.
0: And so they probably on... want sorry, and they probably want to see how you were going to draw them because that yeah, that's for yeah me, yeah. it's that representation of the characters as well. Because again, I wouldn't know if that band was two men and a woman, just three women, you know. So even sure. even just the image gives me a clue of wh- who's in the band and what the dynamic is, and. I can go on Spotify, I can go on YouTube, I can go on iTunes music. That's the other good thing is I can go and explore these bands straight after looking at those images and listen to some of their music and find out who they are.
2: Yeah, yeah. And most of it probably be like this is terrible. <laughs> um, but the the interesting thing was it was when you talk about getting it published. So we didn't get it published. We put on pre-order. We sold 600 copies in 2 days and then we printed it. Right. And that was it. And now we're doing a second pre-order and we've sold like another 200 copies on the second pre-order. But that book's only been, was only an idea a month ago. Wow. So we just went, let's just do it. And because there's nothing stopping anyone from just doing it. You don't need to wait for someone to come along and say, do you want to write a book? Like I'm, you know, there's nobody in any high tower or these tastemakers. No. You can just do it. You don't need... All you need is an audience. And then that's led to our, our latest book, which is the Women in Punk book, um, which isn't selling as well as the first because it's a 50% of the audience aren't going to buy it because, you know, it's all, all women. Um, but it's something that's very important to me is talking about like my favourite, as although it's not a genre, my favourite bands are female fronted. Yes. I love hearing women sing. So I wanted to say, like, here's my 20 favourite female vocalists, but through history, and look at the evolution of that.
0: I think music fans would buy it. I think definitely because, like you say, it's a a lot of, particularly in punk and music, is the male-female thing isn't seen... Isn't seen obviously sales wise that the, the punk book has covered more bands and this is maybe a little bit more niche, but I think music fans will still appreciate who's in it. And it's a br- brilliantly illustrated book as well, it's such a good idea. And like you say, there are you know, when someone says, Oh, yeah, but you know, there is another book out, someone's already done a book about so and so, you know, go in, try and find a bookstore, but if you can, <laughs> go in and look for a book on lighting for photography, there will be. 100 there will be 200 there's 200 books on lighting by 200 different authors explaining it in 200 different ways and you'll go in and you'll pick one for whatever reason so you know there could be a 10 punk a A to z books
2: and there's the potential that a great game to play is if you go on our instagram feed look up look at any of those illustrations we posted there will be 200 comments of people saying why didn't you draw Bad exactly, so like, there's so much. Like, we could do four sequels to the book. Um, but my answer is this do it yourself if that's what you want. If you want to see Leftover Crack instead of Less Than Jake, go and make it and I'll buy it because I love Leftover Crack. But you go and do it yourself and do that. But this book, it just so happens it's less than Jake, like, and that's the attitude that we're trying to like pass on. Like, I couldn't care less if someone does it, like I don't believe in ripping people off or I don't think anyone's copying anyone. Um, I, I've said, I said this to our, uh, we have an intern and I said this to her the other day. I will happily post our client list with their phone numbers, how much budget they have and the work we do for them on our website and everyone can ring them up and see if they want to work with them. It doesn't, I, I couldn't care less about it. I'm not threatened. By in the slightest and that's not an ego that's just if that client wants to walk away fine I'll, we'll, there's another client so we're happy for someone to come along and do another punk book it it's it's fine by me
0: the more the merrier and you won't cut it's like loads of famous quotes it's salvador dali um has one which i can't pull off the top of my head but basically it's, you can't copy you can't copy exactly, you know. And the examples we always give are, you know, go and buy recipe, go and buy Jamie Oliver's recipe book. Help him; he needs the money to the, his, rest, his restaurant. his restaurants are not do well. But buy a Jamie Oliver cookery book, okay, and go and buy the ingredients and make. You, you won't make it the same as Jamie Oliver. It won't even look like the picture, but you're learning to cook, and. That's what I love about be it like. Like, it, there's a difference between inspiration and copying as well. And in fact, what something Ian Barnard said, which I'm putting in my next uh class that I do at Photoshop World, is copy to learn, don't copy to earn. In that, use it use it to help you find a style. Use it to help you practice. Like you pick up a guitar and play other people's music before you do anything. You don't go and buy a guitar and learn to write your own songs. You go and buy a guitar and learn to play music find your style, work out what you're good at, then you start to play your own music. So even if, you know, there were other books out there, your book is still individual. Your book is still, comes from your head, drawn a specific way, in a specific style. And the people who enjoy that book, like you're saying, they're telling you they want in the next book and the next book. And you could go on and do a series. You could do you could move away from punk and do maybe like the kind of the, the rock side of punk from that era, but it's a great idea. And you know, so many people like panic because they can't, you know, they can't design for print. They can't design for books. You've, you've just proved exactly have the idea, execute it, tell people you've got it, let them pre-order it. Then you've got all the money. You've, you've been your own Kickstarter.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to give like, we have some like friends at Kickstarter And, like, I don't mean it in an ill way. Kickstarter's great, but I didn't want to give them a cut. And also, it takes a while for the money to come through. Um, The other thing that I'll note on the Just Do It is the one criticism we got from designers, and we got a lot of this as we were putting out things, was, you're going to get sued. Right. Um, Someone's going to come and say this. Every single band, bar The Clash, have been in contact and said, we love it. Not one person has said, we want money. They've Most of them have brought the book from us. We're actually, when we go out to LA in a couple of weeks, we're going to take a copy with us. Uh, we're going to a festival this weekend where Less Than Jake and No Effects are playing and we're going to get them to sign. So we're going to try and get one, like an autograph book for the studio. Um, but they've all, like, I actually got a message today from the drummer from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs to say, like, I'm so glad you included us. People like to be flattered and they like to be included as important and i jokingly in the thanks at the back it says thanks to all the bands for not suing us yeah um but also it's not very punk to sue someone for drawing you it's also not illegal like they we can do it as much as we want there's not anything yeah to stop and
0: us. It's not like it's not like you've done an absolute likeness and you're trying to pass it off. It's a you know, it's a compilation of things you love that have been drawn yeah, yeah. in a unique way. It's paying homage to the bands that you love. And like you say it's not um it's not an industry that would want to sue you because not that you'd use that to stop being sued, but I can't see the Clash knocking on your door anytime soon. And if they do, my brother knows Mick Jones, so I'll have a word.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I um I'd love to be sued by The Clash because I'd just love to meet them. Yeah. Like, it'd be a ticket to a a meeting with The Clash.
0: Just say, yeah, I'll go to court just to meet you, really.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They'd be more than happy. But, yeah, no one's uh, bothered. And also, it was very telling that the only negativity came from other designers. The the positiveness came from the people in the industry, fans of the industry, people that were friends with the bands. No one had a hard time in fact people in the publishing world uh, were encouraging us so it it was only designers with enough time on their hands that wanted to message us to tell us that we were going to be sued for this, almost as if that, like they were hoping that that was going to happen.
0: Also known as jealous designers who were kicking themselves because they didn't have a good idea and couldn't execute it and are sat in their bedroom wondering why the phone isn't ringing and why they're not getting any work because they're not putting in the effort. But we could have a whole other podcast about that. So yeah, my next question for you, because we could... Talk for two hours, most definitely. We try to keep the episode for an hour. But two things I know we spoke about we wanted to do is the loves and lows things that we do because I know between the conversations we've had and how we've spoken off air, um, I think yours are gonna be really interesting. So I'm gonna start with your loves. What do you love about now your history, what you're doing? it can be a couple of things is there anything specific that stands out that as you feel today as phil sat in your office the person you are now from maybe even you were six months 12 months ago what are you absolutely loving at the moment
2: um i just love the connectivity of everything getting to speak to my heroes on almost a daily basis is incredible um Waking up in the morning and seeing like you know people like Rusty Pistachios or Kat Von D have liked one of my posts, as small as those names to other people may be, to me they're they're my idols, and that fills me with so much joy that someone that I've looked up to my entire life is saying, oh this is cool, and it sounds so stupid and it shouldn't be the case, but it's lovely that um that validation feels really nice and. I really like being in a place now where we're creating the work that we want to create and we're working with people we want to work with. Um, we're doing our best to make brands, get, giving brands what they want and need from when they want to be edgy. We can we can do that. We can come in and be authentic and say, oh, you know,
0: this is, you know, should be doing this. Um, no folded paper on the book cover. No folded <laughs> paper
2: on the book cover. That, but it's passing like, I like being seen as a thing, so like the punk rock retro illustrator. Yes, I'd rather be that than you know the average designer. I like having that kind of flag in the you know and standing by it. Um, and yeah, that's that's probably my loves, but it's also the connecting like the I think in the industry as a whole, I love the being able to connect to people and talk to people, and meet people, and it's, to me, that's incredible, and I think we can hate on social media a lot, but I think that's a great thing, this, having, it's so weird, but you do have like, you know, Dave Clayton in your pocket, (laughs) and, you know, and I remember having to write letters, so it's, it is great, you know, just to be able to just message someone, and say, you know, do you want to do this, do you want to work on a project, Yeah, I've got this idea, or I'm having a terrible day, what can you tell me about this? And I think that is a great, um, a great thing that we all take for granted.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people miss out because I was just going to say, even though you've been, uh, I wouldn't say anonymous because I think that's the wrong way to say it. you've you've not put your face out there. But I think you're networking like a boss. But you're doing it in a different way. Your work is networking for you. Your personality in your work is networking because, like you say, you've you've run off a list of musical heroes. Um, big companies you've worked for that are communicating with you giving you feedback you're you know you're talking to them you're returning emails you are networking like a boss but you're doing it in the way that your work's helping you do it whereas some people who don't do the networking and don't know how to manage their actual work wonder why they don't get the results they're getting i, th- I think what i think what you're doing is fantastic and more people should be braver in the way that they communicate with others because, you know, you have had ups and downs. You've, like say, you've walked away from a career and restarted your career. So, um, yeah, I think those loves are great because it's... Yeah. Th- it,
2: you know, and I think on that note, what you're saying about the bravery thing is it's very key to remember that the people you're communicating to are just people. Exactly. And, and I know everyone says that and people go, oh, no, they're not. They're this person. But I would... If you listen to people, there's a great video Kat Von D put up recently about the hate she gets online. And everyone should watch it. That woman is, you know, she's a millionaire. She's beautiful. She's super successful in everything she does from tattooing to art to makeup lines. But she suffers from intense anxiety and dealing with people and how she deals with criticism because she's a human being. At the end of the day, she's somebody's daughter. Yeah. She's yeah. She's somebody's little girl. She was the same as my two-year-old niece one day. Like, you know, not that long ago, she needed someone to help change her, dress her and look after her. And she will go from that to one day, she will need someone to help change her, look after her and dress her. And that's the spectrum of life. And I think it's very easy to look at people and say, they're untouchable because of the situation we get in with people with lots of followers, or on television, or the bands like I saw in Metallica, but they're still humans. And the worst thing someone's ever going to say to you is, they're not going to respond, or they're going to say no. And we have that as well. But then you just move on to the next
0: connection. Our mum and dad said that to us all our growing up. No, no. No, you can't get down, get off, stop running. You know, you, 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 have all these things as a childhood. Why do we deal with it so differently as we grow up? What is the worst can happen? And that's what I say. I say at work. I say in my networking, anything I do, is communicate. Just communicate politely and respectfully. Respect the industry you're in. Respect the people who you're talking to, whether they are a, you know, Pharrell Williams marketing manager or you know the lead singer of a punk band that that's probably more famous than others they are people communicate respectfully you you stand more chance of of engage it, of engagement um if you're a dick and you demand and you don't even like say hello or hello how are you i you, hope you're having a great week it might even sound a bit corny but at least just saying it whereas we get I know I've seen them and we get emails where people are just straight to the point and blunt it's like I answer me this now I can be mean to you because I can't see you I can be mean to you because you're rich and famous I can be mean to you because um, you will never reply to me and like you say you could go on Twitter and say hey Metallica you're a bunch of dicks because they'll never respond to you because they don't care Um, it's just a weird little world at the moment so so that's starting to sound like the opposite of a love, so let 's talk about the loaths, which, as Glenn always says, it doesn't have to be the negative thing it will, it can be a negative thing that you wish you could change or you'd like to you'd like to change yourself or see other people change
2: okay, so as we're obviously long time listeners we've been preparing ourselves okay uh, talk about this a lot but it's to be completely honest my my love of graphics design and photography and the industry at the moment is the Evangelicalness that people adopt once they've done something moderately successful <laughs> to themselves amen, so what I'm kind of saying on that is I put out a book and sold six hundred copies overnight. that's nothing like Mrs. Hinch or Jamie Oliver sell that a second, yeah, like you know j k. Rollins would be like, Oh, six hundred is that it but there are people who have been contacting us to do a course on how to do that or come and talk at my event about how you did it. I don't know how I did it. I put a book out and 600 people liked it. That's the end. I mean, that's for free on this podcast. You don't need to pay me £15 a month. And just because I've had, I have had a six-year career working for myself, I do not need to start charging people for coaching. No. It's ridiculous. The idea of it is absolutely ridiculous. And I think it's borderline criminal. There's a reason, especially in this country, we have teaching qualifications and degrees. And that's because someone has said, you can teach this. No one should be listening to someone. And Charlotte brought this up the other day. There's a lot of people saying you need to diversify your income. You need to make products. You need to be working with clients, you need to be doing talks and lectures, you need to be writing books, you need to have an audio book you don't you could just work for clients and those people saying that are saying that because they're not getting enough work from clients so they're now doing those things and they want you to think that they that's the answer but just their path isn't necessarily everybody's path and it's someone said this the we was joking about this and shout out to my best friend dirty sam he said to me not everybody has to have a podcast no you don't it's not it's not a thing but it's it's true the world has come into and i see people younger than me and even and older than me having this opinion of i'm a failure if we don't do talks and this and now I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because we do do talks and go into schools and talk and teach and and things, but at the same time, you know we're not you peddling snake oil.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're not coming. You're not pushing yourself out there saying I I should be at your event talking. Hire me. You're doing you're doing talks for the right reasons because the what you want to talk about is something you feel sh- qualified or shareable from your experience you're not claiming to be you know i'm going to be on stay i'm not the you know i'm I'm tony robbins or gary Vee. it's yeah (laughs) there's one um
2: there's one thing being like for example like you your talks are similar to us if you're going out there saying this is an idea so like a lot of our talks about how pma like positive mental attitude can affect your work so like i'll talk to any young designer about how you can start a design company up and ideas and like you know getting into the industry or design practices i'll talk to people about you know how to find clients how to send an invoice it's a practical skill like glenn does talks about lighting yes it's a completely different thing to saying i once did something and now i am an expert yeah but the scary thing is a lot of these people out there and these instagram designers haven't even done anything yet they're just coming out and saying i am Special, yeah. <laughs> talk to me, yeah. And what's scary is we're all falling for it, and it's this Insta fame. And it's it sadly, it's my generation and younger than me that just want to be famous, and they want. It's almost like these, and I I don't want to speak too harshly, but these idiots. It's like reality TV. It's like they're the reality TV designers. Like we said this the other day. If I was going to do a Big Brother graphic design, I could find the 10 people on Instagram, I could name them all now, That they would be the people that apply for it because they don't want to do work. They just want to be famous. And you'll notice it that if you go back through their Instagram feeds in the early days, their work was very, very good. And then they got a big following and their work diminished because they realized the work doesn't matter. All they care about is that follower account going up and the likes and you know, that side of it. And, talking about the evangelicalness is I keep hearing this and I've heard it on your podcast a few times Instagram doesn't matter delete it then but I guarantee you not one of them would delete it they've got because they don't believe what they're saying because (laughs) if they did they'd delete it I don't have a Facebook or a LinkedIn or anything because I don't want to Yeah. but these people that sit there going oh I I said this um, on another podcast these people that say Likes don't matter. Oh, followers don't matter. are uh, two types of people that say that. Someone with no followers and someone with over 100,000. Oh, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, you know, Instagram follow. Like, it would be like me saying it. Oh, Instagram followers don't matter. I'll tell you the harsh reality, it does matter. Yes. We get more attention. We sell more things. We have a bigger audience. Of course it matters. That's why you're on it. If you get to our 20,000 followers and say, oh, th- no, it doesn't matter, delete Instagram then. Yeah. Stop wasting your time. <laughs> Do something else. If it doesn't matter, why are you posting on
0: it? I know, and I know, Glenn and I've spoken about it a lot because it is such a. Because social media can be so annoying as well. It 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 is that thing of don't don't knock it. We always say, people like like you just said, your your success isn't based on how many likes or followers you get. But what's what's happening specifically with you is. I don't ever see your face I don't see Charlotte's face I don't see your feet on a hillside I don't see your coffee cup on a table I see your work and I see the comments I see your explanations of your work what you're working on your why you're doing it then you know most of the feedback is uh, validation of I love what you did there rather than you know prayer hands or cool I never like comments that are just one word comments awesome well come on surely you could spare me a few more seconds of the day and tell told me what specifically about you liked and I encourage people to do it but yeah I I think it's one of the best loaths answers we've had because because you've I know you listen to the podcast and you hear some of the stuff we say um yeah it's just a strange thing we've we've said before about average becoming even even less than average but average becoming somebody's great is because they post an average piece of work and their auntie doris and uncle jeff and Mum and their sister and their best friend uh also oh you're oh my god you're so amazing oh hon you should you should publish that oh my god it's the best thing ever it's not they're your friends
2: it's i yeah the sad thing is is it's like um i read a brilliant book actually well, if you're checking out um Rolly crumb the disney imagineer he had, he wrote an autobiography called it's kind of a cute story Roly's like 80 years old he's had one of the best design careers of all time like you know he designed some of the greatest disney attractions ever and he's finally got an autobiography there's designers on instagram who are 21 <laughs> with biographies out harry styles what does bi- it say <laughs> what yeah, yeah what does it possibly say I got to 21. I can't remember from being born to 21. It flew past me. But it's some seriously scary. That And I heard someone say this. If you want to have a 30-year career, you've got to work for 30 years. But people want to buy the iPad, buy the pencil, and go, right, I'm famous. I'm a famous designer now sure of course I am and here's my Skillshare class and I'm an expert and you can buy my Procreate brushes and here's a you know whatever code and I'm a social and it's almost like we've been um our industry has got parasites coming to it and that to me is a very scary thing and it's no different to like it happened in music like you know like look at punk punk's a great example you've got you know all the, the bands early on started the movement. It goes through the t- to the 2000s. And all of a sudden, you've got Good Charlotte, Avril Lavigne, and Busted in the scene. <laughs> yeah. And they've bastardized punk and taken the image and kind of the sound and got it into the charts. And that's now kind of what's happening with graphic design. There's these authentic, real people working and grafting all day, every day. Mm. And then all of a sudden, there's these attractive influencers who have come in and gone... Oh, I'm just going to make a quick buck, and I'll see you. Yes. see you. In a, you know. Yeah. And then I'm out, and I'm gone, and it—it's really—it is scary. Like I don't want to see your face, um, you know, on your feed of your work, and I think you can see this from like how Edward feed we or the He Creative feeders. We follow like 200 people.
0: Mm.
2: I, I just want to see work. I and I don't care about the person. And I know that that's the opposite advice to everyone else that's given out <laughs> yeah. the podcast is saying, oh, put yourself out there and tell, tell everyone about your favorite Starbucks order. But I don't care. And I'm sure there's a lot of people like me that
0: don't care yeah. about it. And there's not um, enough. That's the thing, that is there's not enough. It's That's where you have to, you are wading through swathes and swathes of instagram accounts and like you say people faking it and yeah even that phrase fake it till you make it it it's mis uh it's misinterpreted it, it because people want to get to that that famous place fast
2: but there's also it's there's so much like poserism in it and i, I i've noticed this a lot recently that like a year ago it was all these it was lettering. That was the big thing. Everyone was a lettering artist all of a sudden. We've never dabbled in it. Like it's not what we do, but everyone we know was a lettering designer and they were all taking a picture of, you know, the mountains and, Oh, the mountains are calling and I must go and all that (laughs) rubbish. And then one person said, Oh, that's tacky. I'm going to do something alternative. I'm going to do this alternative version. And now they're all doing that alternative version. And they're all doing like, you know, dropping the F bomb and, chucking up like graphics that say controversial things like they're all edgy so everyone's an edgy lettering designer now oh yeah because because the person that did it first can't keep their mouth shut about doing it first so they've got to be famous for doing it first and then they've got to go to every conference and tell everyone about how that's the thing to do and then they get they then get upset when everyone rips them off but they're going around telling everyone to rip them off and it's that's the scary thing so it's it's terrifying that people aren't just saying, "This is what I like. This is me. I'm this is my work," because at the end of the day, a client isn't buying your face; they're buying your work. Yes. And the other risk you've got, and I'm sure I come off this way as well, you might come off like an asshole, <laughs> and a client might say, "Oh, I love that work, but that person seems like a dick, so I'm not going to I'm not going to hire them."
0: If a client says to you, rings you up and says, um, I'd like to hire you to do some work. Before I do, can you just tell me how many Instagram followers followers have you got? I'll put the phone down. I'll be, wow, is that your metric for how good I am? Could you imagine, this is? and I always think of this in real
2: world terms because I think that we live in a bubble. But imagine if you worked at an agency and you were still getting paper CVs sent to you, or even email CVs, and attached was a headshot. Could you imagine what that would be like? They'd just be in the bin. No one, imagine the cringe factor of saying, this is my work, but oh, look at my face. Or who would have the courage to make a portfolio and on the front page of it, just put a big headshot on there that they've had professionally taken? What does that say about anything? But that's what people are using their Instagram for. And it's the same thing as saying like, here's my portfolio. And then every other picture being a picture of your lunch. <laughs> yeah. The What art director is going to be like, oh, great. Or what art director really cares about any like you know your image if your work isn't up to scratch then you're not getting the job yeah and and that is the important thing to kind of take from that loathe is that you know you don't have to be seen and that's to me that was always the glamour of design
0: is that it was like you don't have to like that's why i'm not a big gary v fan i think there's you can you can anybody can give anybody great advice and i've probably had the best advice from like parents and grandparents and you know oh, i i'm going to take advice off of, of a 60 year old rather than a 19 year old but i would just throwing the f bomb in any other every other word doesn't make what you're saying any more effective doesn't mean what you're saying is any more gravitas it just means you are you're trying to be noticed more and I don't like it when I see people copying it and even though I swear like a trooper um, my mum's from the East End you know my dad's from London we're all from London it's a a thing you know what it's like but there's a time and a place for it and you know we've made a conscious effort on the podcast that we'll allow a couple of bits through a couple of times we bleep it we we deliberately you know say to people in fact even when I sat down with Aaron Draplin you know with Aaron Aaron's Aaron that's part of his language he's not doing it for effect he's doing it because it's part of the way he talks but we just found that adding you know six f-bombs and a couple of other words in it doesn't make what you're saying any better it just actually puts puts me off and the same thing with social media is when people be aggressive or uh, like two in your face it, it's it goes back to the whole thing of what you know what's authentic what's genuine where's your post because your personality has to come through and i think what's one good thing is i think you've you've got a great personality i think you've got for a, i know 33 year olds that don't have the experience uh that you've got to talk from a place where you know stuff's happened to you but it, it's your personality still still needs to be part of it and your personality will come through your work and the way you engage with with people you do they don't need to see your face on instagram every five minutes they don't need to see you on instagram live going i'm just walking to the studio the sun's shining today i'm going to be doing the xyz okay i'm in the studio now i'm about to do xyz okay i'm just sat here i've just done xyz and now i'm going to go shopping so, no why what wh- where's where's your work you know you should be concentrating on your work let your work do it don't just keep being me 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 like that's enough about me let's talk about me it's it's really refreshing to hear what you're saying because me and glenn have so many conversations off air where we just like next week we're at photoshop world we'll be sat in our room and we'll just be going blah um and we're and then we'll run it through a sieve and then the stuff that we can put on the podcast will will fall through and the stuff we can't talk about. And you and I, I'll be transparent, you and I probably had a, what, a 20, 25-minute conversation before we even started this. And we both talked about a lot of things in the industry that uh, we perhaps could cover in the in this interview, but we'd have to be too specific uh, about it. But I think through the course of the, the interview, we've got a lot of that out. Um, I just want to say I'm a fan of your work. Um, I'm really, I'm really glad I got to know you through Instagram. It's a pleasure meeting you tonight, um, and getting to actually see you. And I'm oh, the whole time I'm looking at your bookshelf behind you. If
2: I can take it. I'll take some photos. Yeah, I like. Someone
0: actually, someone actually came up to me at an event. Uh, a part of the course, one of the classes that I did was just about. There's two I do that I love doing. One is get inspired by graphic design, and that's how I talk about appreciating what's around you, appreciating the people that make it, why they make it, and, and how you can get inspired by it. And the other one I just did was uh, why a graphic designer is a photographer's best friend. And it was a similar kind of one. It was appreciate each other's industry. Don't just make it all about you. You know, if you're a photographer, go and sit with a designer for a day and and sit in his shoes and know the work that he has to do so that the next time you talk to him, you don't ever dare say, can you just... Um, in the same way designers should go and assist a photographer for a day and learn what the photographer does and the the crap that they have to put up with and the time that they spend you know it's what that the image is one two fiftieth of a second but there's all the work that that encompasses that that makes that thing get done so it's just about an appreciation of what we all do so yeah as as a fan of your work um it really has been a pleasure like chatting to you tonight because um it's, it's a friendship that i know is going to go on for a long time we're going to meet up uh, i'm going to try and come down to you at some point and i, I need to see your studio and rummage through your books but uh, <laughs> we're going to put a load of uh, links on the page for you for now where would you want people to come and look at your work
2: oh just our instagram it's everything's on there like with are up we don't use any other social media we have a twitter but we don't use it um it's just yeah just instagram to our work is you can link to our website from there see our portfolio, our portfolio desperately needs update yeah. <laughs>
0: so it's at he creative there's a link yeah. on there to your website as well which i must say looks really good on a mobile phone because i looked it. At- oh
2: it's all charlotte yeah 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 Sponsive. it's great
0: um but I think we'll definitely definitely have to have another another chat. And and the rule we have on the podcast is if we interview you for the first time uh, through Skype, the second interview is always in person. So
2: well, we live by the sea. I know, so it's lovely down here. I know, and you can bring the muscle. You can bring the muscle man with you, because um, <laughs> I'd I'd love to meet Glenn as well. He's he's a great guy. No, definitely. Actually, we our our studio is in an old train station. Yeah. a Victorian train station, and there's a gym two doors down. So you know, if he's bored of the design talk, there
0: is oh, we can you know, go to the gym, power, power lift oh. There is <laughs> he's content. Yeah. Do you know what he actually? So, uh, so those who don't know what, <laughs> what Phil's talking about, who may not have seen it before, Phil, uh, Phil, Glenn used to do bodybuilding, and it was really funny because I never knew this about him. I kind of knew he worked out, and then one day he showed me the photo of him in his competition prime, and it was unbelievable like the the and so much and he's a like he-man he was he's he-man he's like yeah you know I just I say whenever we travel I'm glad I'm with him because he, I know he can look after himself but this goes down to his dedication and we're gonna like talk about him for a minute but one of the things I thought was really cool that where he talks about being dedicated and consistency is uh just a couple of years ago he went to an event and he said you know what, I'm gonna go back like for for my like for my mind to get back into that space i'm gonna go back to the gym and and do what i used to do and he did and he worked out and i hated standing next to him because i said i just feel like the before and after and like it's a really bad before <laughs> but um it's with him it's it's all about consistency it's uh even you know we're going away next week he said i'm gonna go and find the gym i think I'd, i think i just go to the gym and spend a bit of time but um, that's enough about him because there's 70 75 <laughs> episodes we can hear about him um thank you for your time phil we will speak that's again anytime um it's great to see you actually being interviewed on podcasts now because i think your work and your attitude deserves it and i hope more people get to hear about you i know you've got another podcast coming up soon on creative waffle with mark that i think will be out in the next few weeks so uh, when when that's out we'll We'll push that out on social media. But um, thank you from, from me and Clint. We'll put the links in the show notes and, uh, and we'll speak to you soon.
2: Lovely to speak to you, Dave.
0: Cheers. Bye-bye.